I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Graves, and ex-Scotland international and adopted Frenchman, Johnny BT. Three of the European finalists are from the top 14 once again this season after another great weekend for the French sides, unless you're to lose, of course. And we'll be joined by an Englishman turning out for one of those victorious French clubs shortly to catch up on how everything's going for him. But we should also chat about the games a bit first. And you were all over them, Johnny. BT Saturday, Channel 4 Sunday. How was your weekend? Slotting myself out, mate, everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No, I had a great weekend. Good weekend of rugby, bit of travel as well, like getting down to Lyon and it was scorching. Like it was 34, 35 degrees on the field. So I felt sorry for the players. Like when you're down pitch side as well, like it's a plastic pitch. There was no wind. So there was nowhere to hide. And like I was doing a bit of stuff with TV and like went completely through my shirt, my trousers, my socks. Everything was absolutely rinsed. So the boys on the field, you forget what it's like in that type of heat and you forget when you're tired, just how painful it is. And you could see the pain they were going through. So it was great to be in Lyon witnessed a bit of history as well their first final in a very very long time and then it's straight back up to Lens on the Sunday with the Channel 4 team so with Brian Habana Jamie Heaslip Ed Jackson Ollie Waterman so no really good not just with them on the Sunday with Dan Carter as well did he remember you? No, didn't have a clue, mate. <laughs> Unless he was running over me playing for Racing, I'd have been at Montpellier and uh, and Cast. No, good, good to see them all again. Um, Habana and Carter over. I think they're doing work with Mastercard and ambassadorial stuff. Um, but I think they were just chuffed to be out, to be honest, and to be back in Europe and to be enjoying a bit of rugby and catching up with mates. So the social aspect, because the rugby wasn't exactly spectacular. I was going to say people have been less than complimentary about that. Have they? Have they? <laughs> Give us some insight. You were there. So it has been the way occasionally recently when two French teams have met in the Champions Cup. Is there something about it specifically? You mentioned the weather. I think everybody know, and it's well known over in France, that the top 14 final is never a glamorous affair. And and that's what that the game on the Sunday was at the weekend. Racing is La Rochelle. It didn't look like there was too much game plan. It was just a case of who wants it more. And I think when you get two big French sides in knockout rugby, that's quite often the product you get. Um, And so, yeah, it has been criticised. It wasn't the best spectacle. um, But being pitch side, like some of the early physical stuff was almost horrible. (laughs) It was was that big. Like watching Antonio run into Bernie LaRue, French teammates smashing into each other 100 miles an hour, and then there were some nice bits, some interplay, some trying to change the point of contact, um, some nuance. But again, it sort of descended into a bit of a mess. It was madness. 
but it was cool to be there nonetheless. Like with all the fans, all the spectators, to be pitch side just to witness it uh, was great fun. So I can understand the criticism and that's probably why in the, it just becomes a bloodbath. An absolute, who wants it more? Uh, who doesn't want to take a backward step and game plans go out the window? And you mentioned madness. Some people have pointed to the fact that there was an English referee, Matthew Carley, who didn't speak perfect French. Some other English referees maybe speak better French, Luke Pierce, Wayne Barnes, who have been announced as the referees for the finals. Yeah. What do you make of both the language thing and Matthew Carley's performance in general? Um, I thought, do you know what, given the quality of rugby and the product that he had, like it was a mess. I'm not going to lie. So it's not easy for him, and especially in your second language, Again, in, in the exact same turn of breath, I think it's a positive that referees that do speak more fluent French have been appointed for both finals. I think that's fantastic. The fact that um, both Barnes and Pierce have been appointed uh, makes sense um, because they are terrific referees and they've got that turn of phrase and language and understanding. But at the weekend, for the one that Carly was criticised for, it was a bit of a mess of a game. I thought given with what he had to deal with, he actually did a decent job, but obviously if somebody can speak French, it's going to make it a little bit easier. And aside from the language factor, when two French teams do meet in European competition, do you think we should be able to have a French referee just for the interpretations, especially at the breakdown, maybe give us a better product if we did? But, but you know what? There's positives and negatives. So I think generally in the top 14, when you're playing at home, you get more bias from a French referee. Whereas when you get somebody coming that's completely neutral, it's neutrally reft. Maybe that's rude to say, but I think it's great to have somebody come in with maybe an international or a more global view of the game. But if they can, as we just said, if they can brush up on their French and add that to the repertoire, then it makes it even better. If that one was a bloodbath, Dublin was a bit of a bloodbath for Toulouse, wasn't it? I mean, we talked oh. about it last weekend. We thought they might struggle extra time the week before against Munster. A long old season, ups and downs for Toulouse. Was it just one step too far? It was a massacre. I think everything we talked about, and we predicted Leinster winners, we talked before the game, I, kind of, I picked Leinster to win it easily. Not as easily as we saw, to be honest. But I think when, when given context, there's a bit more understanding behind it. You know, Toulouse having nine of their players away with the 23 with France, Grand Slam winners, but that means their game time's doubled. They'll be absolutely exhausted. The players themselves, you sort of get the feeling they're running on fumes. They are exhausted. The physical fatigue has set in. They're really just scraping along, trying to get to the end of the season. Again, we'll talk about the top 14 games they have left and if they can make the top six, if they can finish, but just a step too far. Possibly if they'd been knocked out earlier, it would have helped them with their top 14 focus. But we talked about the quality that Leinster play with, the speed, the changing the point of contact. I mean, Toulouse defensively could not handle Leinster's attack. The rock speed was phenomenal. And then you're just chasing shadows with the type of player that you're playing against. Conversely, Toulouse on the ball didn't really pose Leinster any threat. And we just saw Leinster honestly operating at a level that Toulouse weren't capable of competing with. There's been a lot of talk this week about how it's going to be difficult in the next few years for English clubs to compete because of the salary cap being a bit lower. In France, it's still fairly high, although the budget the Leinster have and the squad they have is is bigger. But is this Toulouse performance sort of a product of the way this season has gone? They're victim of their own success, right? So like last year, finishing double winners, which means you're playing later than everybody else. You've got less for preseason. Your prep is cut short. Then when international rugby kicks in, all of your best players are taken away and they're hammered. So 
that is where they are. They've got all the best players. They make up the, the mainstay of the French national side. And this is an extremely difficult season for them. And if they hadn't lost so many games during that international period, perhaps their players would have been fresher because they would have got a rest over the past Exactly. They'd be cruising. I think that next year will be more simple for two. But there's other, it goes deeper, like key players retiring, Jerome Kano, Uge, that haven't been replaced. They're building something. Everybody's moving towards youth in the top 14, which is fantastic. I think this summer will be very telling for them as well in terms of A, recruitment, who comes in, and B, the the real fact that a lot of their players will get the first real rest in a very long time. I hope for them as a club that the tour that France go on is, is a development tour to Japan, that they don't take out Antoine Dupont and all the big dogs again. And I think that the Toulouse players really need a rest, but they're victims of their own success. Right, we'll come on to the Challenge Cup semi-finals shortly, but I've got a feeling one of them might feature in our meter moment of the week. So what have you got for us, Johnny? Is that just because the Champions <laughs> Cup wasn't particularly great or... Maybe. Yeah, Maybe. in a nutshell. Um, so for me, easily the best moment of the week came, came from Challenge Cup Rugby. Uh, although the game in Toulon was fantastic. It was great to see them turning over Saracens and making another final. Um, a very experienced Sari side as well. But mine came from youth, mate, from young youngsters in Lyon, still keen to chuck the ball around in what I felt was 35, possibly 45 degree heat. It was absolutely You humorous. were feeling it? I was feeling it, mate. The Scotsman was in the shade, don't you worry. Um, but Berdo, young 10 again, keeping Lima, Lima Sopoanga out of the side. And easily, you could be slowing the game down. You could be trying to hide. You're trying to get to a water break. But I think around 45, 50 minutes, the ball goes out. And he chucks it back in quickly, which I was thinking, this is ridiculous. His forwards are going to hate him. But for what followed next, they will be delighted. Chucks the ball into Charlie Natai. Big step and offend. Um, a couple of those later, Marshawn licks back with Berdo, who started it all 60 metres earlier. And he goes under the sticks untouched. And I just thought, guts, daring, and a little bit of something different when you could have easily caved, take a knee or go to line out. And that's why this weekend's metre moment of the week comes from Leon and Leo Berdo. That was Johnny's meter moment of the week. And meter is the world's number one wireless meat thermometer, recently making over 11 million cooks better with their game-changing app and completely wireless Bluetooth meat probe. You can use it on a barbecue, in the oven, or in a pan, and you can get your hands on one at meter.com. Plus, you can now get 20% off any full-price item. All you have to do is enter the code FRENCHPOD20 at checkout. That's FRENCHPOD20, and you'll get 20% off any full price item at meter.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That leads us in nicely, Johnny. You mentioned it. Leon, a first major final 
since 1933 after they beat Wasps. And we can get our guest on now and have a chat about it. One of Leon's history makers at the weekend, second row, Joel Kapoki joins us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for having me on. And it's an absolute pleasure to, to be speaking to you guys. Thanks for coming on. And Johnny was just talking about it. He was pitch side at the weekend, sweltering in the heat. <laughs> yeah. How was it for you? Yeah, it was an incredible occasion, really. A packed out stadium with uh, a load of loud wearing uh, the Leon fans. But I mean, obviously the first half didn't really go according to plan where we, we kind of let let was into into the game a bit with not being clinical and also a little bit of our discipline. But then second half, we kind of turned it around. But with the heat being in, in, involved as well, it didn't help. But no, very happy to obviously overcome the, the English. Yeah, no, it felt, felt really good. It must have done. On a personal note, it must be amazing. You've only had a few starts for the club, but two weekends ago, you are the man of the weekend in Rugby Rama. You're all over their website. This weekend, you're man of the match in a European semi-final against English opposition. So I'm assuming you're enjoying the club and that must have been pretty special for you personally. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing. Like the club have really, really, really integrated me and made me feel as part of them for, for a long time. And I mean, for me, obviously with that first game against La Rochelle back in December, getting injured in the 33rd minute, obviously, yeah, it set me back a, a long way. But finally back now and uh, thanks to the, the medical staff actually helping me and getting me back out there as early as they could. But I mean, yeah, all I'm doing is just trying to do what I can for the club, really, and just playing, playing some rugby, which is obviously what I liked previously, and just trying to basically get my name back out there, really, because I, I do think I did go a bit quiet. So it's nice to finally <laughs> be playing rugby and get noticed, really. And Johnny mentioned only a few starts, so it's weird asking you about the history element for Leon when you've, you've only been there a few months, but. Do you get a sense of it? Because a first major final since 1933, the club's not really done anything on the European scene before. Talk to us about what the fans were like, the celebrations, the sense that you get about what an achievement this is for the club. Like, like I said before, I came in quite late, but then when I came in, we were still in the competition. So we actually played Dragons literally a week late, a week after I'd arrived. And from then on, we kind of had the belief that we could go all the way and within within the camp we, we said like we could actually go on and achieve greatness but that's only if we really like stick together and they've been chasing a feeling for, for some time to obviously create some history for, for the club it's, it's huge and like with the fans you could obviously see after the game like us getting applauded around the, the whole stadium and yeah it's just an incredible incredible achievement for the club but then again we, we haven't achieved anything as of yet because there's still one to go which is next week against the a strong Toulon side who we obviously know that you guys must have seen the game again in the top 14 where they put 40 points in us at our own ground so we've got some redemption on them should be a cracker should be a cracker against them next week and are you surprised that it's again obviously you know the strength of Toulon you mentioned that game but a lot of people had handed the trophy to Saracens already like yes, Benji included, Tim, Johnny, I said, I oh, that's it I was like <laughs> I saw them as but they've just been I mean blitzed off the, like, again Toulon is a bit of an anomaly because they're on one hell of a run. They had a really poor start to the season, injuries. Now they've got all the big dogs back and they're looking like a different kettle of fish. So yeah. you've got them to knock over if you're going to make history. So talk us through mentally what it's going to be like facing them. And also, you must have quite enjoyed the prospect of maybe winning a trophy playing in Saracens as well. So you're a little bit disappointed not to be playing against your mates. Yeah, I mean, that, that is also something that I was really looking forward to because I... I before the like after our game, we were like, yeah, okay, 
let's get ready for Saracens now. But then obviously watching the game, it was like, wow, they've really been like, like you said, blitzed off the park against a really good Toulon side who are on an incredible run. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of animosity against well, this, this, this club, especially because our head coach is now going to them as well. So it's kind of like, okay, we've got a job to put on these guys. But I mean, I, I really did wish we were playing against Saracens, obviously, but then again, we've got, we're faced with, with two on in front of us now. So that, that's the game to, to play. And also, I also even had like a few, like of the fans from Saracens, we'll see you in the, in the, in the final, but then it's like, okay, well, you're not there now. So Classic. Um, and we've just been talking about how generally when French sides get to a final, whether it be top 14 final or Champions Cup, sometimes the rugby kind of goes out the window and it's just a bloodbath. Like it's a roll your sleeves up. So is that now what you're expecting with Toulon? Are you just expecting a massive scrap or should we expect a really good spectacle with some pretty rugby? I'd say a bit of, I'm, I'm hoping for a bit of both, especially for the spectators to obviously enjoy the game. But we know within ourselves that, yeah, it's going to be one of those games where fours are going to have to front up and really, yeah, roll our sleeves up and really guide them, just like it's been, in, well, just like it is here in the top 14 in all the games, really. It's like you've really got to roll your sleeves up. There's no really, it's not much fancy rugby except for Toulouse. But, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of, yeah, fronting up and hopefully we can we can do one over them. And let's talk about your journey then, because you touched on it before. You moved to Leon a bit late. I think it was November. Yeah. A lot of people were surprised to see you make the move over there. So just give us an insight into how it came about, whether it was quite a last minute thing and what were the main kind of motivating factors behind the move? Uh, okay, so at the start of the season, so in pre-season against Bedford in the pre-season, I got injured. So I was out for a couple of months and coming back in, I, yeah, I just, within myself, I kind of lost the love of the game because before pre that, I wasn't really getting much game time, wasn't really enjoying the rugby. And obviously there, there was also other things going on away from rugby, like in my personal life that, yeah, was kind of taken over and basically contacted my agent and said, yeah, I, I basically want to, I want to, like, I want to leave. And yeah, Leon thankfully came about and picked me up and yeah, so that they actually came about in November, but then I moved out. I came across in December due to visa issues and all of that stuff. But it was, yeah, fairly last minute and it was like one where I was just like, because I, I was thinking of like kind of, not to kind of stop him playing rugby, just because there was like yeah, quite a lot of things going on, and I was just kind of not not really enjoying my time at the club at the time, just because of the other things that were going on. So then, yeah, thankfully Pierre and um, Jan, the, the president of Beyond, picked me up and brought me across, and currently loving my time here. Honestly, like I couldn't thank them enough, and all, even even the, the players as well, my teammates, like they they've really integrated me and kind of made me feel as if like yeah, really welcome. And um, it's just like a, a great culture. And also like coming from Saracens, there was obviously going to be differences in terms of like the standards of like the rugby, the, the, the players obviously at the club as well, because obviously there's not, there's not many big stars like we had at Saracens before. So everyone's kind of like at the same level in terms of like the, there's no hierarchy, there's no big dogs at the club and everyone sees you as, as, as one of them. And, that, and that's what I, I really, really liked about, what I liked about this club is that no one really isn't better than anyone else. It's like, we're all trying to reach the same goal. So reading between the lines, what you just said there is that Roman Taufifuna, Matthew Bastro are really good blokes and <laughs> Owen Farrell and Atosia Bellens. That's what you're saying. No, no, I'm not. No, 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 no,
seen for myself in terms of like, because you know, these players like the Marrows, the, the Macos, the Billies, you know, like they're big dogs. They've got countless caps for England, the British and Irish Lions. And as a young player, looking at those players, you're like, wow, these guys have made it, if you know what I mean. But then me coming to Leon, it's like, yeah, you've got players that are made it in their careers, but they're, they're, they're not like, I don't know. I, just, I, I, <laughs> I really want to come across as the biggest, they don't come across, they don't come across as big headed, if you know what I mean. Like, not everyone sees them. Not everyone sees them as being these like massive players. It's like they're my teammates out there. We're all trying to reach the same goal. You know what I mean? And, and also another thing, I can have conversations with these guys. Whereas before, it's, like, it's kind of like, oh, how do I approach a big dog at my old club? Like, do I speak to them? Like, yeah, obviously I'm going to say hi to them and whatnot. But yeah, that's also something that I've I've loved about about Leon. And Johnny, sometimes you do just need a change of environment as well, don't you? I mean, you've been. Uh, Saracens from a young age sometimes yeah. just a change is as good as a rest as they say and and hearing Joel talk then it's refreshing to hear players speak about how things might just be not going right off the pitch and you need a bit of a change because we're all human beings aren't we and it's rare your situation's rare as well because generally what would happen is a French or a top 14 side would generally wait for a Mako or a Billy or an Owen to be established and have 50, 60, 70 caps and then pay over the odds to take a star. You know, what I really like is the fact that you've made your mind up. I want to try something different, a culture, an adventure, game time, like whatever it's been. But you're absolutely fine because your performances, and again, it's all over French press, people back home that don't read French press, like loved over here. You're playing really well every time you take the field. So, so it's wonderful. I wanted to go back a little bit and ask you a bit more about Saracens because for Leon to not take a risk, but to take a young guy they didn't know too much about and to give him that chance and you're absolutely flourishing. Like, what was it that was sticking at Saracens? Why why wasn't the game time coming? To be honest, like, with with the second rows that Saracens have got, like, I don't really like making it an excuse, but... Tim Swinson, mate. I've played with Tim Swinson. You're better than Tim Swinson. <laughs> yeah. But then Saracens obviously thought differently, which I was about to say, like, maybe they didn't really trust me. Maybe I wasn't performing well. The, the second row options that they've got at the club is ridiculous. Like, it's incredible. But then again, it's more... Saracens is a club where they're going back from winning everything. So obviously them, us obviously being relegated into the championship where it's like that first game against Cornish Pirates, they tested a team which didn't have international start, like the big international start, to then lose the game. And then it was like straight panic mode, you know? Like kind of Saracens, we obviously can't stay in the championship for another season. So... He then obviously forced all the players back in that, that following that following week. And but for me, I think it was more the trust they potentially didn't have the trust in me. Maybe that's because of my performances, maybe the way I was handling myself around the training sessions, whatever the reason may be. But it was one way it was very frustrating for myself because obviously the only way you're going to improve is by by playing the, the top end games, not just playing the, the, the Premiership Cups, the the A League games. I was patient because I had resigned. So before I resigned at Saracen, I was actually supposed to be leaving to go to Northampton. I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that. Yeah. But obviously that came about because of the game time. And I was promised because obviously we got, I got relegated and also with Scouts and Cruzo leaving. They said, yeah, we, we will, you get game time because we're in a champion and whatnot. But then after that first game, having lost it and also maybe with me not having the greatest of pre-season Actually, no, I'm not going to say maybe. I didn't have a good preseason, shall we say. Then the, the trust was just completely gone. But then for me, it was just kind of like, how, how can I gain that trust back? How can you guys trust me again without actually allowing me to prove myself again? 
like I said, like it's just one of those things where they just go, go off what they they know is best and don't really like going outside of that system really or check, making too many too many changes. Shall we say? It was frustrating. It was really frustrating. But like it's one where looking back on it, I'm kind of happy I've now moved on from that because I, I definitely think I would have still been in that same position till this day. So yeah, now I'm once again thankful to to Pierre for for bringing me out because he's actually he was actually he, apparently he's been looking out for me since the 2018 World Cup against France. So he's been following me since then and then finally, yeah, he's got his hands on me. So He'll be taking his tool on next, mate. Watch <laughs> out. Um, yeah, I mean, I've signed another two more years. So hurt so to you, but he's off. Um, <laughs> and so what's been the difference? Again, you talk about effectively the bottleneck of Saracens and internationals in front of you, but that's been the same case at Lyon. Like you've got Roman Tau, who we just mentioned, yeah. you've got Felix Lambi, you've got Garak. Garassi, they're all French internationals and they're decent players. Like they are very, very good. So what has, has it just been given the nod of confidence and just taking your chance and running with it? The fact as well that you're obviously non-Gif. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the effect that you're having on the squad is such that you're playing ahead of Gif players that are French, French internationals, which is huge. So what has been the difference? Has it just clicked with Pierre? You've done exactly what you've been asked to do in your flourishing or, or, or where, where's the big difference been? Do you know what? For me, was he's he's... Since the day I met him on Zoom, he's had belief in me. And then obviously, then me coming in, he's always been straight up with me and been honest with me from the day dot. And I think for me, that's big because like, even if I haven't been performing well or well, got injured, obviously, whatnot, but even around the, the, the training centre, he's been like really honest with me in terms of like just asking questions about like what I think about this, what I think about that. It's that trust that he's got in me and I've got in him. And I think... That's maybe what I lacked in my previous club, that I didn't potentially have that relationship or that trust within me and my head coach, my post head coach. And yeah, I mean, Pierre's been, he's been incredible. And like me playing ahead of these players, I've, luckily I've been performing well, because obviously if I hadn't been, then he wouldn't have selected me. But just one way I've just got to keep it consistent and keep my feet grounded and just keep going really and not, not get ahead of myself too much. Because these players are obviously very good players, like you mentioned, and they would be coming coming for me, shall we say, because obviously they can now see that I'm performing well and whatnot. So it's just about, yeah, like I, like I said, just, I think it's the trust between me and Pierre and the relationship that we've got. Maybe that's why it's, it's clicked for me. It's worked out perfectly because Leon needed someone in November and you obviously went to your agent and, and said, what's out there? It'd be really good to to find a new environment. But when you were having that chat with your agent, were there other offers in England? Were there other offers maybe in Super Rugby or in Japan? Or what, what was the conversation like? Uh, apparently there was talks with, uh, well, he said that Bath were interested, but obviously at the time, Bath weren't doing too great. So then that was kind of one where I was like, no, because I'm a tough person. I don't really like stepping out of my comfort zone. And me moving to France was completely out of my comfort zone, like especially moving out alone. Like doing everything alone, basically, like living alone at the moment as well. And I was just kind of like, oh, is there any clubs in the UK, for example, that are like keen to, to bring on board? He said Bath, and I was like, nah, I'm not really wanting to. So nothing against Bath, but it's just I wasn't wanting to, to go to the club. And then obviously Leon, and then I was like, you know what? I may as well. Like, this is a one in a lifetime like, like chance that I probably will never get it again if I hadn't taken it. So kind of that leaped at the the opportunity really and yeah, I find myself here now. When you, you've now been in both camps, you've been in the Saracens environment, you've seen Leon. there's been a lot of chat recently about premiership salary cap reducing and we see already this year there's no finalists from England. When you see the quality that Leon have, when you took the bench you guys had at the weekend which was absolutely loaded, 
you think it's going to become harder and harder for Premiership sides to compete with top 14 than your likes of Leinster? Yeah, I mean, looking at Leinster's performance against Toulouse, I mean, they were incredible. But going back to that, yeah, I do think it will be just because they, they won't be able to bring in like these, these players or, shall we say, sign any big names because of the side, unless they got rid of loads of young talents that obviously are coming up from the, their academy systems, which obviously wouldn't be a good look on the clubs. I can't see, yeah, I definitely can't see the Premiership competing with the top 14 size, like, just because of money, like, because money, I mean, it doesn't, like, buy happiness, but without it, you can't really get these big names, if you know what I mean. And potentially, you could potentially get a lot of players leaving as well, the Premiership, to go into these, to these better leagues, if you know what I mean. And you mentioned it was about as out of your comfort zone as you can get moving to France. Johnny obviously knows what it's like moving over to a different country, different language. Just give us an insight into what it's been like for you as a young guy moving over there and what the big challenges are, whether they're on the field, training, coaching differences, or whether it's just off the field. Uh, I mean, luckily for me, I'm already a French-speaking, I've got a French-speaking background from my my mum and dad. They're both from Congo, which is their first language. So I've been speaking French from basically since I was born. And that's also what made my decision a lot easier to also come out because if I hadn't known the language, then it would have obviously been quite, I would have been quite hesitant to come out. But in terms of like the challenges away from the field, yes, there is, there has been quite a few, especially with the admin side of things. That being setting up my bank, getting a phone contract out here, but then just general, just trying to get things done with the French guys so it can be very, very tricky. I mean, I'm sure, Johnny, you're, you'd know about it, right? No, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, so you, but that's the thing, you arrive as a, as a fluent French speaker and it's still hard for you. So can you imagine yeah. for everyone that comes from other parts of the world that arrive and then they're like, yeah. what is going on? And then you've got the French language on top. So if you, you've just hit the nail on the head. Even for a French speaker, fluently from birth, getting shit done is hard over here, but it's just the way it is. Honest to God, like when I came over, because obviously... Lima and Jordan were the first, like, the first guys that I kind of knew from the Premiership playing for Leicester and Wasp. They were like, mate, good luck with the admins. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'll be right. And then, yeah, I then went to the bank to try and get my, my, my card sorted. I had to then go back about three times because it just wasn't processing. And then that also took another two months for my card to then arrive. And then, like, my Wi-Fi, like, and just sorting other things out, like, in my place, like, even... I hadn't had hot water in my, my, my apartment for two weeks. To get in, getting a plumber out was taking so long and they weren't answering my phones. I had to contact the agency. Or, I mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's getting better because that's an absolute lie. But I'm kind of getting used to it, if you know what I mean. I'm kind of getting used to, to how they work. It's a different pace, shall we just yeah, say. Yeah, a different, a different pace, yeah. It's one that I'm, I was not like used to at all because obviously in England, things are done fairly quickly and then to come here. But no, it's... Other than that, no, like I've, I've completely loved my time. Like the city itself is amazing. Like the food, it's a different level, like complete different level. And yeah, the people itself as well can be miserable, shall we say, can be miserable. But if you give them a smile, then hopefully you can creep, like crack one out of them as well. So, mate, you're staying. You're staying. You've just described all the best bits. You've been caught hoot, line, and sinker. You're not going back home. I was going to ask you if you were <laughs> no. thinking of a move back to Premiership. Do you want to play international rugby? But you're top 14 till you die. We've decided. Yeah, I mean, that, that was what a lot of people have been asking me, like, would you, do you see yourself going back? And I said, like, I'm still 22 years of age. Like, at the moment, this is me gaining as much experience as I can playing, shall we say. And, like, I've signed, what, three years here. So 
whatever happens at the end of those threes, if Leon, Leon want to keep me on, then that would be a conversation to have then. But I can't see myself coming back, going back to, to England anytime soon. And internationally, like, I kind of gave up on that because, like, Eddie Jones kind of has his team set for the World Cup and, like, he knows who he's going to be taking. But then even after that, like, I wasn't playing much rugby for him to even pick me. So I need to get as much games under my belt. But before that, like, I'm not really concentrating on the international side of things. I just want to play rugby. You've still got three World Cup cycles to yeah, aim for. Exactly. After that, like, I, w- I wouldn't worry. Like, you've got... Like you've got a European final up against Eben Etzebeth in a week's time. Like there's plenty of time. You'll have your time. Don't worry about it at all. You've got a long, long time to get back into Tash rugby, 100%. But you mentioned Eddie Jones. You did train with England back in 2018, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I did post the World Cup, the Junior World Cup. How weird is he? Give it to us straight. Not to bad mouth or anything, but he was, he was nice to me. Although when I first arrived, because of the World Cup, I was like 126 kg very overweight, should we say. Coming into the camp, I'd like lost quite a bit of weight. And he was like, basically straight up to me. Did, I didn't know the man. He didn't know me. Straight up came up to me and said, you were fat, weren't you? I was like, uh, just kind of just kind of laughed because I felt really awkward. He's like, yeah, he was quite, quite a fat lad, weren't you? I was like, yeah, like, what do I say to that? I'm not fat now. <laughs> you know, but he's um, very, very different. Very different. I've never had a coach like what being coached by someone like him before keeps you on your toes, should we say? I know that's like what the generic thing that everyone says when they they, they speak about Eddie Jones, but he's yeah, he does definitely keep you on your toes, and you've got to kind of be very alert and your eyes wide open when you're around him. And that experience in 2018, a lot has changed since then. But did that kind of give you an insight that you weren't ready, or he didn't think you were ready, or how did it go? In, in the camp, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say I was ready for international level because the, the, the pace and speed of everything was incredible. And even just the intensity of it was like, I was, yeah, fairly behind, like going, going in at, what, 20 years of age and whatnot. But I was definitely off the pace. But for me, looking back on it, it was just, it was a great experience, like to, to know what where where I'm at and obviously not being at that level as of yet. To then going back to my club where obviously I still hadn't played, which I was, hoping I had, but it was one where I knew what I had to do to get to, to that level in terms of like getting to where those all those stars are. Because obviously I played with a lot, I had played with a lot of them already at Saracens anyway. So just taking taking things, taking bits and bobs from, from those guys, especially Marishan, because we're in the same position. And you mentioned that Bath was an option. Was it not tempting? I know it's a short period of time if you look back to November between then and the next World Cup, but we see players coming fresh into that England squad and getting given opportunities they might not last long but they do get opportunities so was it not tempting to take another English offer with that international recognition in mind uh no not at the time because like I mentioned before like I just wanted to get out of the country like because of everything I was going I just kind of wanted to get away from from everything yeah no it really didn't really tickle tickle me really to, to stay in the UK especially in the premiership where I know I would have played against Saracens at some point again or even seen them again, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to get, get far away from from, from England. But who knows, I could I'll stay in France for four or five more years and hopefully see what happens with the French international. <laughs> another one. We've converted another one. Right, so now that you're here <laughs> and you've had experience of the Prem, you've been through that environment, you're now top 14. What do you see as the biggest differences culturally, the way teams play, intensity, um, how would you compare the two leagues? Premiership 
as you know, a lot of kicking, especially when we play against these English sides, like when, for example, Wasps on the weekend, a lot of kicking. The top 14, I'd say, is more, it's more brutal through the, through the, it's like more of a forwards game where it's like both, both packs going head to head with each other and see who comes out on top, really, especially with the, shall we say, the strums, the, well, yeah, the strums, the line set piece, for example. It's like, that's where, you know, that's where you can test yourself to see who's actually got the balls here, should we say. And like, even training with Leon, it's like, it's very weird because being a Saracens, it was like very technical in everything they did. And they come to Leon, it's like, they speak about the mindset more, more, more often than the, the technical side of things. Obviously, yeah, there is some, some technical sides, but it's definitely more mindset and mentality over the technical element of things. But... But the Premiership, yeah, there's a lot of kicking involved with that. And then it's just a lot more faster than the top 14, I see. But I kind of suit the top 14 because it's not as quick. And I like that confrontational side of things where it's like hitting it up square, like running like square on and yeah, just tackling low and carrying hard and yeah, all of those stuff. You mentioned that style and how you suit the top 14. I'm interested because there were comparisons again at the weekend between yourself and you mentioned it before Mario Toji. I don't know whether that's because obviously you're the same position you come through at Saracens, England under 20, et cetera, et cetera. But it was not the first time people have compared you for, for years. Yeah. Do you take that as a compliment or does it annoy you? To be honest, it pisses me off. Like it really rattles me. Like, sorry to swear, but it really, really rattles me. Cause like I've had it yeah, for so long, like you mentioned since I was at Saracens as well, but then I've even moved from Saracens, like he's not even a teammate of mine anymore and I'm still getting compared to him and I'm trying to create my own name, my own legacy. Really. Like I don't want to keep going back and looking at my like Twitter and seeing like, oh, he likened to be like a Marin. So I was like, you know, I'm Joel Pope, like I'm not. I guess, yeah, I guess because we're both of colour, from, I'm from Saracens as well, come through the academy and whatnot. So it's easy for the media and the press to, to kind of compare us. But it, yeah, really rattles me like it's just like I'm not Marrow like I'm Joel Kapoku like I'm trying to create my own name and create my own style of rugby I know yeah there could be some similarities but then it is ways but I'm not Marrow do you think it's a lazy comparison because there are obvious differences massively it definitely is just because it's we're both of colour and I'm from Saracens and he's from Saracens he's at Saracens come through the academy and we're both tall second rows as well like you mentioned and it's just it's rattling. It just rattles me all the time. Like really, really rattles me. Like the laziness I get, but there are certain parts of your game that I believe already are world-class. I've watched you play four or five times. And as much as part of it might be lazy, part of it is also because you both operate at an extremely high level. So there's the lazy aspect. But then there's also, you talked about the technical bit, which may be different, but there's a mentality bit that is difficult, more difficult to see. But there's not many boys that come over here and in five or six games, light it up the way you're doing. And I think that's why people are getting excited. And he's the closest comparison, whether it be lazy or not. But there's an element to it as well that we're also fucking kicking ass and doing something phenomenal in one of the toughest leagues in the world, which is why people are really excited. And the laziness I get, like, park that bit is crap journalism. But the other part is they're excited to see another potentially world-class second row from England, but playing in the side of France, which for us is even cooler. For me as well, like, it does add fuel to my to my stomach, really, when I'm like compared to him because I, let's be honest, like I want to surpass everything he's done. 
you have to take his spot, mate. Like, I, yeah, exactly. I need to take his spot because he's still a young, like, still, still young. But for me, like I said before, I want to create my own legacy and my own name for myself. And of course, to not really always be prepared to him every fucking time I play. <laughs> <laughs> and mate, weirdly, doing so well over here, we talked to Zach Mercer, another Englishman that's doing really well over in the south of France, and we talked to him about obviously international rules and regulations, England not picking anyone that's French-based or foreign-based. Like, would you, do you agree with those rules? Would you want to try and kick it for England whilst playing in France? Or do you understand that you'd have to move back eventually if you wanted to play for international honours? I, I do understand the ruling behind it, just because obviously they want to keep all their best players within that league. So obviously for the spectators. And to caveat my question, surely there has to be a further understanding with a lower salary cap more players are going to have to move like you exactly. like Zach exactly that and like it's going to get to a point where a lot of the shall we say the big names are going to want to leave like the, the premiership to, to go and sign for like, these clubs in, in Europe but I think I kind of I kind of agree with the, the ruling in terms of like not allowing overseas players to play for England but it would be good if they could obviously still select players overseas as well because, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see what happens in the next few years, Johnny, but the rule has been tested a few times and they've stuck to it. It's likely to be tested more potentially in the coming years. I think it has to be, but it has to, there has to be a tempered realisation from the RFU that they can't drop the salary cap or enforce £5 million on clubs when the reality is that clubs over here are more than double that. And it's a fantastic league to play in and, and players flourish in it because it is one of the toughest leagues to play in. So it's different for, for countries like Scotland because we've got such a small player pool that we encourage the people that reach the top of the tree for salary reasons to move. But that also is going to be the same eventually for English clubs. If you can't cover the salaries of the top English players, they're going to have to go somewhere, but they are your top English players. And they shouldn't be punished because their success within England, they yeah. should be rewarded by being paid well and then also get the chance to play international rugby. But I understand you have to protect your product and the premiership, but I think it goes it goes both ways. There has to be a little bit of give and take. I'll be really interested to see as well what happens in the next two seasons in terms of transfers, who leaves England, yeah, who comes over here to join, because I think it's only going to go one way and there will be more established players who can't get paid anymore in the Prem that want to do something different. Then are we going to see after the World Cup a cycle where the English squad essentially gets cut in half because they're all playing in France? Moving down the track, they're going to have to change something. I think a lot of players, probably post-World Cup, will, will probably want to leave the Premiership to, to go inside for these, these top 14 sides. Especially having had played their pool games in France in, and Toulouse, yeah. in Bordeaux. Like, oh, this could be nice. Exactly. A change. Yeah. We mentioned, Joel, before, the, the issues that you had at Saracens. When you moved to Lyon, obviously you've spoken really positively about the culture there, but you did get injured in that game against La Rochelle. And it can be hard, can't it, as a professional sportsman to integrate. Well, it can be hard to get involved anyway when you're injured as an established squad member. But when you're a new guy, you get injured on your debut. How is that? How hard was that period being out? Mate, honestly, I, I hate thinking about it, to be honest, because it was like probably one of the hardest periods of my life, to, especially with the injury itself, like having scouts crocodile rolling me and landing on top of me and my knee fucking yeah MCL going syndesmosis going in my ankle Ooh. I mean it was, yeah it was pretty pretty tough like it was pretty it was the first couple of weeks were pretty pretty dark 
but I mean, I'm so thankful to the, the medical staff because they, I mean, I can't speak highly of them. Like, they really, really helped in terms of like all my rehab, getting me back fit, and even the coaches as well, in terms of like doing some skills. Kenny, for example, doing some skills with me just to keep me in that, that rugby mind. But like, I got like, yeah, it was mentally draining, mentally tough, especially with me coming to, to a new club, trying to put my best foot forward, bang, 35 minute it goes. And then I'm kind of made useless now because. I'm just walking around on crutches and yeah, not really much help to, to, to the squad, which is obviously what I tried coming over to do and also to play rugby. Yeah, it was one way out. Yeah, it was mentally tough, mentally very, very tough. You mentioned Kenny there, Kendrick Lynn. Um, we'll ask you about him in a little second, but you talked at length about Pierre, Pierre Mignoni, the fact that he brought you over, the fact that he showed faith, the fact that he saw something in you. It must be a little bit disappointing for you that he's heading to Toulon at the end of the season. Again, with the relationship that you've already fostered. Yeah, I was absolutely gutted, to be honest, when I heard. Because I, I, it was lingering around, like people were speaking about it. I was like, nah, sure not. He's literally just brought me over. He's brought all the players here. He can't be leaving. And then bang, yeah, get a group, a message in the group chat saying, yeah, Pierre's leaving. But yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where in sport, it's a business, isn't it? People come and go, but it's more now about me just hopefully winning a trophy for well winning a trophy for the club but then also for him because obviously he's transformed like for what the lads have been saying like speaking about they, they speak so highly of him like for transforming the, the club from when he first came in I'm not sure what the new coach is like but I mean hopefully he he likes what he's seeing with me and hopefully he doesn't change too much and I could just play play my rugby and just train hard week in week out so it's going to be weird I don't think so Xavier Garbajosa coming in He's already done this type of job where he got parachuted in at Montpellier and it really didn't go well yeah. at all. But I think effectively what's going to happen at Lyon is he's going to become a director of rugby, so more off-field. Off-field. And it'll be Kenny, Kendrick Lynn, who steps yeah, up yeah. to become head coach. So for everyone that doesn't know Kenny, Kenny's a bit of a legend, really good man. Can yeah. you give us a little bit of insight into what he brings in terms of the coaching, the staff and the environment at Lyon? First and foremost, like he's great to the, the foreign players because it's like in our... In our Meetings, for example, Pierre obviously speaks in, in in French, and then you get you get um, Kenny translating for us, and that's what like for me. I know I understand French, but for those foreign players, that like, it's incredible for them to for us to have that that translator in in the meetings. But then within the coaching side of things, yeah, he's an incredible coach. Like I, I can speak to him and ask him any questions, and he'll be straight up and honest and give me any feedback that I need. And, yeah, he's different to what any other coaches I've had because like in, in France it's very like it's, the coaching is different because it's like coaches are covering more than one role. You know how like in England it's like you have a, a strong coach, a backs coach, a skills coach, defense coach, and all that so on. But like in like Leon, it's like Kenny's kind of our like defense coach slash attacks and backs coach. So all three of them. So yeah, fair play. He's got a lot on his shoulders, but he like his determination and his his drive every day is just that. Like, it's incredible and he brings the best out of, out of the players really and can't speak any more highly of him to be honest like he's, he's been it's been great especially with me as well in that period I was injured like taking me on and doing those little skills with me just to keep me keep me intact but then even the conversations away from the rugby like it's he actually cares about the players that he's obviously coaches and that he's with all the time you know I've had countless conversations with Kenny and there's some really like in depth ones as well, which is yeah, it's been it's been good. Not just Kenny, but like all the coaches just have like uh they just care about you as an individual really like and they they actually enjoy their job, shall we say like 
they, they actually enjoy like speaking to their players. They're actually coaching, coaching you, trying to better you as a as a player. No, I, I, lo- I love the coaches here. Like I love everyone. I mean, like, they've all made me feel really, really welcome. And, yeah, it's just a, a great place to be. So anyone wanting to come to Lyon, get in contact with Jan the president. So. <laughs> Sign up. <laughs> And a quick word on the end of the top 14 season, because we've spoken about Europe. It's amazing to be in a first major final since 1933. But we speak about this top 14 playoff race, Johnny and I, every week. I mean, who can call it? Like two games left. Yours couldn't be much tougher. Bordeaux away and La Rochelle at home. But you're right in the mix, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, all our attention, because I know... Pierre, our head coach, spoke about yesterday. He was saying it's going to be a load of stuff about us reaching the final and whatnot. Like everyone's going to probably forget about us having the top 14 game and us actually going in for qualifications for the top six. But it's um, one where these last two games, everything counts. We've got to take it, but we cannot really think about too long that following week. That following week. One thing what I, what I love about this league is that any team could beat anyone. Like it's no matter where you are on the table, like it's it's literally all to play for at the moment. And like with Bordeaux, especially like going to them as well away, with them not really having too great of a run at the moment, like it's going to be yeah, it's going to be a very fiery game, very very fiery game. Mate, I'm looking forward to again this weekend. Looking forward to playing La Rochelle, and really looking forward to watching you face off with Big Eben. So good yeah. luck over the next few weeks, mate. I'm really looking forward to playing against them too. Like there's already been a season already. On, social media about it but I mean yeah he's a great player but really looking forward to that physical encounter that yeah, he's obviously gonna that he's gonna bring to the game but yeah I'll, I'll fix my own part my mind game on him as well so not just him on, on them and also he's also leaving Toulon he's going back home Pierre's heading to Toulon like you never know what might happen it might be a <laughs> Stop a couple things of years. Up, you never know you never know it's a big game that's all I'm saying it's a big game yeah, it's a big, big game, big, big game. But like, it's I still, it still feels surreal that like I've reached, I personally within myself reached the final because I've reached finals with Saris, but that was for the A League. Like, I've never played at this stage, shall we say, like a big, big game on a European stage where thousands and loads of people have obviously what are watching and whatnot. And it's just yeah, it's kind of like a pitchy moment, especially also having got man of the match on the weekend, and to also be in the final now, it's like it's incredible. Like it's. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't fucking wait. I can't wait. Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your insight and experience. It's great to see you making the leap and doing so well over there. Hopefully the RFU either change the rules or we see you back in England at some point, but it's great to see you going so well in France. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's been, it's been a pleasure, nice. mate. Cheers, Tim. Pleasure. Cheers, All the best, mate. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Great to have another... Englishman on doing so well in the top 14 and if we read the between the lines or don't it wasn't turning out well in Saracen so it's great to see it going so well in Leon. yeah and like for so many people me probably being a similar case it doesn't always go well for you first time in the environment that you start off in um, and I needed a change clearly as much as he did but I mean he's way better than I was the guy's absolutely flying this game at the weekend he was exceptional um, but again, just really nice to chat with him, level-headed, smart boy. Um, but again, phenomenal rugby player, and he's absolutely ripping it up. So he's got a massive career ahead of him in the top four team, probably for as long as he wants it. If not, if he wants to go back and dip into international rugby, which he probably is going to be very ready for fairly soon, then fair play to him. Either way, he's got a great career ahead of him, um, and a terrific player. You mentioned it. We're speaking in these terms. 
He's only had three starts for Leon, so God knows what we'll be talking about in a few months' time. The impression that he's made already is phenomenal. And again, that like on a personal note, what I've seen really impressed, but wider French press when you pick up rugby apps and rugby rama, the rugby paper, Midi Olympique, like they're absolutely raving about him because the blend of athleticism, the sort of belligerence he plays with, the way he affects things, the mall, the way he carries tackles, jackals, like the physical elements of the game, but he's also got brains. He's a smart player. And again, maybe that is part of the teachings that he's had at Saracens, the environment he's come through and the players he's been around, but now clearly with game time, able to demonstrate that he is a top rugby player and can do it in the top 14 against the best athletes in the world. So that was great to have him on, great bloke, um, and great to, to see him do so well. And great honesty as well. You mentioned the, the traits he will have learned from being at Saracens, but he clearly wants to forge his own path and he doesn't want to be compared to other England internationals, other Saracen second rows, fair play. No, really candid. I, I loved it. And normally you get sort of media trained crap answers, but the fact that he's just honest, he wants to carve out his own name. He's his own man. He's his own rugby player. He's over here making his own history um, and fair play to him. He absolutely is. And that's it. If he keeps consistently knocking out those performances, like the comparisons will be very different because he'll be playing alongside him instead of Maratoji in England setup. He is that good, this boy. So no, fair play to him. He was, he was outstanding. Right, before we chat a bit more about the top 14 and some of the transfer gossip maybe in France, summer is coming, isn't it, Johnny? And we've got the listeners sorted with some beers. We do, mate. Days brewing. And I need them here desperately. I've put in an order. It's 35 degrees. I'm dying. Everyone that's playing rugby is dying. You need something to quench your thirst. Um, and these beers are amazing. And I absolutely love them. Tried them a fair bit back in the UK. Haven't ordered them yet in France, but looking forward to getting my first shipment because they are quality. Yep, we're sending a few to Joel and Leon in the 35-degree heat. You'll need them. Days is a new breed of alcohol-free beer created for those who want to do more. Proudly brewed in Johnny's native Scotland using locally sourced ingredients, their beers are 0.0% ABV and low-calorie. And they're now a B Corp certified company committing 2% of all sales to charities that empower fresh thinking towards mental health. Brewed for good times, good days, and good tomorrows, you can enjoy all the great moments associated with a cold beer, just without the side effects. And with over 700 five-star reviews, it tastes great too. So just head to daysbrewing.com and use the code RugbyPass15 to get 15% off a case. Right, Johnny, we spoke about it last week. Carl Tunukuafe confirmed now to Montpellier. Outstanding. And I think you'll be missed in Super Rugby and by the All Blacks, but really good addition for Montpellier. Liam Coltman also to Leon and Richard Barrington to Agen. So the transfer sort of, what do you call it? Treadmill? Not a treadmill. The knock-on effect, the domino effect, mate. That's what it is. You always hear, like my agent would always say, Johnny, don't worry. Like all like the first class back rowers are picked up. The domino effect kicks in and then somewhere down the line, somebody will pick you up. (laughs) That was how he explained it back in the day. The domino effect. And that's it. Has started. And now you're going to see some serious movement. It'll be interesting. We touched on it again with Joel, but I think there'll be some premiership boys moving over at some point. There's already a few rumours. Um, they've come from mates, so I'm not going to say them on here, um, that might be coming over. But it's exciting. Squad's starting to take shape for next season. But a lot of rugby still to be played. And that all kicks off again this weekend. But um, some big names in the pipeline to be coming over in the next two months. Absolutely. We'll get those names out of you in the coming weeks. But um, <sighs> this week, we touched on it with Joel. Leon are away to Bordeaux. That is huge, isn't it? It is, mate, but they're all huge. That's the scary bit. I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue how it's going to end up. I'll be working at Cast against Perpignan on Sunday, which is probably one of the easier ones to to call Cast with their last home game of the season. They're already third with 67 points, but they're, 
you look around, you've got Montpellier top 69, Bordeaux second 67, Racing fourth 66, then Lyon 63, Toulouse 62, La Rochelle 62, Toulon 59. And mate, any one of those teams with different permeations can finish in the top six. Like it's absolutely ridiculous. This weekend you got Montpellier Racing, that'll be huge. Bordeaux Lyon, again for Lyon's ambitions to potentially finish with a home quarter final. La Rochelle Stade Francais, you'd think that would fall in La Rochelle's favour. Toulon at home to Poe, so they look logistically should climb up the table by beating Poe. Breathe away to Toulouse, they'll be absolutely exhausted and they win away at Breathe. No idea. And Biritz, Clermont. Clermont down at ninth with 57 points, but win to beat away in Biritz, who are dead and buried, and they can hop up to six. So, hey, it's mental, but that is the top 14. And as Joel said, everyone can beat everyone. That is the craziness of the last two weekends of top 14. So, we're looking forward to watching this weekend and chatting about it next week. Predictions can make us look daft, but Montpellier Every week, mate. <laughs> Montpellier Racing and Bordeaux Leon are the two big games this weekend in terms of the playoff race and the teams playing against one another. Yep. So how do you see those games going? Because you've got Leon on a high, obviously. And on the flip side, in the other one of those two games, you've got Racing coming off a low. Yeah, but weirdly, Montpellier aren't looking good. Again, Montpellier after getting thrashed by La Rochelle two weekends ago, Montpellier have lost some key personnel, like Mohamed Huas is out, Kobus Reinach, Valemsi. It's not the same side and it doesn't look as dense physically. So... Racing, Racing could go there and win. Again, this stage, every side is going to put out their their first strength 23. Racing now have got nothing to lose. So you go to Montpellier looking for something. Um, I'm going to tip Racing just to edge it, just because Montpellier bullied everyone, looks so strong, and now looking a little bit shaky. And Bordeaux, Leon, again, Leon on a high, but with, what, six-day recovery? Bordeaux haven't played for two weeks, but I've looked very poor in their past three or four fixtures. So if Jalibert's back on form, Cameron Walkie's back, are they, are they going to win at home? Leon exhausted with two big games still to go afterwards. I'm going to go Bordeaux to win this one at home. We will see. Thanks, Johnny. A big thanks to Joel Kapoki for joining us. And thanks to all you guys for listening as well. Make sure you hit subscribe. Leave us a nice review if you can as well. Check us out on Rugby Pass and on YouTube. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, Johnny. Cheers, Tim. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.